Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, October 16th, 2018, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Our special guest this evening is Mike Cleland, who is an avid outdoorsman, illustrator, and UFO researcher. He's written extensively on the subject of alien abductions, synchronicities, and owls. It was his firsthand experiences with these elusive events that have been the foundation for this research. His website explores these events and their connection to the alien contact phenomenon. The site also features over 200 hours of audio interviews with visionaries and experts examining the complexities of the overall UFO experience. He's written two books on owls and UFOs. The first, The Messengers, Owls, Synchronicity, and the UFO Abductee, and Stories from the Messengers, which is the companion book going further into the connection between UFOs and owls. You can check out his websites, which uh, there are two, Mike Cleland, and that's C-L-E-L-L-A-N-D.com, MikeCleland.com, and HiddenExperience.blogspot.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we would like to thank uh, Kathy and Fiona for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for our guest. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk Radio. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please just click follow on our page here and you'll get our weekly show notices if you choose those notifications. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. And if you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power, do you? <laughs> you can find out when that happens just by requesting your solar return timing. And please remember, if you want an interpretation of that chart, you'll need to do it about three months ahead of time so you can get it in before your 10 hours because we do have a waiting list. So first up this evening, it is Anastasia with her fascinating Starseed News. Well, hey, Anastasia. Hello, everyone. Good to be with you. Lots of news. We had a meteorite slam into a house in Japan. This was a space rock that landed on a private house southwest of Tokyo, split into several pieces before reaching its final destination. Did an analysis on it and confirmed that the rock that crashed into our planet the late September, just a few weeks ago, was indeed a meteorite. Now, the rock caused damage to the house's roof and caused a loud noise upon impact. It split into at least three pieces after entering the Earth's atmosphere, and those bits were found in the yard. 
people are going to make some money, meteorites sell for a lot. Anyway, somebody's house got struck by a meteor. I wonder if they bought wow. a lot of that night. Really odd, slim odds. And you've heard about the mysterious deep space radio bursts, I'm sure. Well, they've discovered 19 more of them. Brand new discovery of newfound fast radio bursts, also known as FRBs, they say may help astronomers finally get a handle on these mysterious and powerful blasts from deep space. The recently released study reports 19 previously undiscovered FRBs, including the one closest to Earth and the brightest one ever seen. Now, the first fast radio burst was discovered in 2007, and these are brief, intense emissions of radio light. Now, the source of these is a subject of hot debate, with some scientists postulating that FRBs could be generated by advanced alien civilizations. Others favor natural explanations, like neutron stars, for instance. But this new analysis suggests that, quote, fast radio bursts are coming from the other side of the universe, rather than from our own galactic neighborhood, according to researchers. We shall see. And in New Caledonia, they had a 6.4 earthquake. It uh, was followed by a series of aftershocks struck off the coast of New Caledonia, which is a French territory made up of dozens of islands in the South Pacific. This is according to USGS. The quake happened about 30 minutes after a different 6.3 earthquake struck that same region. Wow. And it is, it is cold and it is snowing everywhere in the northern latitudes. North American snow cover is the most it's been in mid-October in 13 years. The area covered by snow in North America as of Sunday was 3 million square miles, according to NOAA. No other October 14th has had a snow cover extent that large in records dating back to 2005. Going to be a cold one, maybe. And uh, Hurricane Michael, I'm not going to cover that. That was in mainstream news for days and days and days. But here's an interesting story that comes out of it. Tyndall Air Force Base. That is, uh, was in the path of the hurricane, and after Hurricane Michael rendered Tyndall Air Force Base what they call a complete loss from widespread catastrophic damage, questions remain over nearly two dozen F-22 stealth fighters, which are unaccounted for. Now, according to the New York Times, Tyndall is home to 55 stealth fighters, which happened to cost an amazing $339 million each. Now, before Michael hit, the Air Force evacuated at least 33 of the planes to the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. However, they won't comment on the status of the remaining 22 fighters. And there was a powerful 6.7 magnitude quake that hit off Kuril Islands in Russia. It was registered in the Pacific Ocean off the Kuril Islands, according to the USGS. The tremors were registered northwest of the village of Orzernovsky, which is inhabited <laughs> by 1,500 people. I could never speak Russian. Well, maybe with a little training I could say these words. But anyway, as far as that earthquake goes, which is a good one, 6.7 is big. There were no reports about casualties or destruction. Doesn't mean there wasn't any. It just means that there were no reports of. And uh, a cyclone has hit India's uh, e uh, coast, the coast of Odisha. There were more than 300,000 people evacuated. Now we're back into.
hurricanes and cyclones again. Authorities in India's eastern state of Odisha evacuated these 300,000 people. They suspended operations at a major port and canceled many trains and flights uh, as a severe cyclone in the Bay of Bengal uh, got strength and barreled toward them last week. They said that this was a very severe cyclonic storm, uh, packing gusts of 160 miles, uh, excuse me, kilometers per hour. It uprooted trees, it knocked out power and communication, <clears throat> but what it did do that was most concerning was the bird sanctuary that's there on the island um, that has been there for a long time. Uh, it, the sanctuary was badly damaged and about 6,000, uh, no, excuse me, 200, I beg your pardon, 200 birds were killed and over 1,000 birds lost their nests under the impact of that storm. There were birds such as painted storks, uh, pelicans, and other types of birds that lived on this island um, that migrate there, and uh, they lost their habitat. And uh, I guess you know, fully in effect, but the most latest news coming out today about Hurricane Michael is that the death toll still stands at 14, and uh, so that's terrible. And in Portugal, uh, they had hurricane-force winds. Now, this is very rare, very rare. In the history of hurricanes in the Atlantic, only a handful have ever touched Portugal in written records. But uh, last week, hurricane-force winds brought down hundreds of trees and left more than 15,000 houses without power in Portugal. Um, there were no reports of death or injuries, but they say it was one of the most powerful to hit the country. Winds gusted at 109 miles per hour. Again, it is rare for an Atlantic hurricane to reach the Iberian Peninsula. I just thought this could be the most powerful to hit Portugal since 1842. And there have been deadly floods in southwest of France. This just happened. This is recent news. They had nine inches of rain in six hours, um, killed 13 people. Well, this is odd. I'm going to pass this along. I think you might want to know about this. The uh, Center for Disease Control is investigating cases of a rare neurological mystery illness in children. They're calling it, for want of a better term, acute flaccid myelitis, or AFM. And it's a rare condition that causes weakness in the arms and legs, sometimes paralysis. It has been confirmed in 62 children so far this year and at least 65 more cases are under an investigation. Now, the CDC has not been able to identify the cause of this mystery illness. Now, since the condition was first recognized by the CDC in 2014, the agency has confirmed 386 cases through uh, yesterday, actually through today. They say that this uh, problem appears to be seasonal. It occurs mostly in late summer and fall, but is growing in number every year. Possible causes being considered include viruses that affect the digestive system, the enteroviruses, and possibly strains of viruses that cause a common cold. The CDC is also considering that environmental toxins could be triggering the condition, or it's, uh, and it's not ruling out possible genetic disorders. What they are telling the public, though, is that this is not polio. They don't know what's causing it. And who loves coffee? Raise your hands. I know we have a bunch of tea drinkers out there, but surely there's quite a few coffee drinkers as well. 
and uh, some news out of coffee world. Coffee rust is threatening all of Latin America's crops. Latin America's crops. There is an outbreak of coffee leaf rust. It's caused by a fungus. It's hit the celebrated coffee-producing region of Guatemala back in 2012, and by 2014 it had spread. Now, in the last decade, waves of outbreaks have devastated Latin America coffee production, which produces about seven-eighths of the world's Arabica coffee beans. And since 2012, some farms have seen a nearly 80% loss of production. Now, they say that some countries have been able to return to nearly pre-rust numbers through systemic replanting of resistant varieties. However, coffee rust has no cure. They say its impact might be able to be reduced, but not eradicated. And scientists are warning that resistant varieties are not a long-term solution. The fungus evolves and will likely overcome resistant genes eventually. They said that in maybe in five years, one year, maybe ten years, coffee may not be available to consumers. Yikes. Give us coffee. Yikes. Well, they have a drought in Utah, you know, with the ongoing drought in the West, but the Utah governor announced yesterday that the state is in a severe drought condition and that constitutes an emergency. The governor's drought declaration follows a disaster declarations already made in several other counties, such as Box Elder, Carbon, Grand, San Juan, and Wayne counties. Reservoir levels across the state are depleted in the face of an historically dry summer and below-average snowpack. Water watchers note that 16 of Utah's top 49 reservoirs are less than 20% full, and 8 of Utah's top 49 reservoirs are less than 5% full. Well, yesterday... Did you all know that there was an emergency declared at Brunswick Nuclear Power Plant in North Carolina? All personnel were blocked from entering the facility as a hot shutdown began. Now, the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission has declared a state of emergency for both units of the Brunswick Nuclear Power Facilities in North Carolina. An unusual event, they say, has occurred which is interfering with the ongoing hot shutdown of nuclear power plants, a process that takes several weeks to complete. This is the NRC.gov nuclear power plant power that's hard to say. Nuclear <laughs> power plant alert page and it says notice unusual event due to site conditions preventing plant access. A hazardous event has resulted in on-site conditions sufficient to prohibit the plant staff from accessing the site via personal vehicles due to flooding of local roads by Tropical Storm Florence. In other words, the Brunswick Power Facilities can no longer be accessed by workers and technicians even as they are running a hot shutdown which requires human oversight. The power plants are running blind. That was yesterday's news. Today, headlines, Fukushima on the Atlantic, question mark. The staff at the New Brunswick facility are unable to access boiling water reactors during hot shutdown due to flooding. Very few details are available. I haven't heard anything about that on mainstream news. Maybe I didn't have my nose in the TV enough today. But there it is on the Internet, and... um, that's going on. 
All right. Did you know that hugs could buffer against life-draining conflict and stress? That's not news. We all know that. But, you know, scientists have to get their sleeves rolled up to try to prove something that's very obvious. And here it is. A simple hug may be all one needs to protect against physically draining stress, stress levels that often present after a blazing argument or individual conflict, according to a new study into interpersonal touch. Hugs are typically associated with affection and friendliness and love. Meanwhile, negativity has been linked to a general decline in one's physiological and physical well-being. Actually, that should read psychological. Physiological is physical. I didn't write this. I'm reading it to you, but it's not written right. So let's just say that negativity causes decline in one's psychological and physical well-being. Now science has delved into the human psyche, as it has done for a long time, and found out everything else, so why not this, that a warm embrace helps buffer against what they call concurrent negative effect. In an effort to pin down the psychological impact of a hug, Pennsylvania's Carnegie Mellon University asked a group of men and women to document their feelings of conflict over a two-week period. And as part of this research, 404 adult men and women were interviewed every night for 14 days in a row, sequentially, about their moods. Details about whether they had been hugged or not were also gathered. The study was led by a researcher and published in the Plus One Journal, and it concludes that people who got a hug on a day of conflict displayed improved next-day negative affect compared to days when the conflict occurred but no hug was received. The study suggests that the positive impact of a hug may carry on long after the embrace has occurred. Interpersonal touch behaviors such as hugs may buffer against stressors such as conflict because they increase perceptions of social support and by tangibly conveying care and empathy, according to the study. Well, of course, somebody made money to study something that we all already know and that everybody has already known. So even though the results of the study are lovely, and I wanted to share it with you, The fact remains that the world is really getting crazier and crazier because people actually think they need a scientific proof of a basic fact of life. So somebody um, spent a lot of money on that, telling us something we already know. Well, I have a quote for you from my heart to yours for the following week. Here it is. It is an absolute human certainty that no one can know his own beauty or perceive a sense of his own worth until it has been reflected back to him in the mirror of another loving, caring human being. Oh, that's beautiful. So, we truly can make a difference in another's life. If someone is open and they don't feel violated, give them a hug. Ask them if you can give them a hug. And if they say certainly, give them a hug. Share smiles, share affections, share support. Be careful with your harsh words and your criticisms. They can pierce the heart and hurt people badly. So, joining hands, joining hearts, joining light, let's move forward into the coming week with a greater measure of love and self-love, too. Give yourself some love. Because the fact is, is that sometimes other people don't give us enough love. 
and sometimes we're let down. And in those cases, spirit has a way of teaching us that it's very important that we really learn to love ourselves because self-love is the generation from which all love arises. So if you're feeling down because you don't feel like other people love you, trust me, you are loved. And it's a challenge and an opportunity and a lesson in reminding you the necessity of learning to love yourself. And no matter what, unconditionally. All right. I'm going to give it back to you, Arielle. Thank you. We will talk to all of you again next week. All right. Well, thanks so much. I love that that quote and that thought. Um, It's worth reminding us. So thanks so much, Anastasia. You're welcome. Okay. We'll talk to you next week. All righty. So, excuse me. I'm going to get uh, Mike's microphone open and Lavendar, get your microphone open. Okay. Well, Mike, welcome to our show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, we're just we're thrilled to hear um, about your work. And uh, Lavendar, are you there? I'm here. I'm ready to go. Okay. Take it away. You sent me a list of questions, and I just I have to read this one thing you wrote me. Here is a short list of questions. I would encourage you to go deep. The best interviews I've done are the ones that really get into the more bizarre and challenging aspects of reality itself, more fun. You came to the right place, okay? Good, good. We I, love I, bizarre, I and we love high strangeness. So everyone that's listening is really awake and ready to hear what you have to say. And I saw your video, oh, about a month ago talking about the owls, and then someone sent a email to me saying that you were going to be speaking at some uh, expo, and I thought, oh, the owl guy, we got to find him. So I sent out an email to you, I don't know, sometime last week, and I checked every day to see if you had, had answered me, and finally, on Monday, you answered me, and I was going, yes, he's coming. So welcome, Mike. Thank you so much, and I apologize I didn't get right back to you. What has happened in the last few years um, initially, you know, turn the clock back a few years, I've been doing this research for well over a decade, you know, the emails would trickle in and I would get one or two a day and, or, you know, a few a week, let's say, and then I could get back to people and answer them in a very thoughtful way. Um, since the two books, and I'll also say since a couple of videos have been posted online, that the video you talked about, which is um, was uh, uh, shot in uh, Arkansas, at the Ozark Mountain Conference, um, that has generated so much. Uh, I mean, I, I, it's, people have been reaching out to me and contacting me because of that video. So what's happened is I am flooded in a way that is very difficult to keep up with. So it's not just you. Other people I have been derelict as far as getting back to, and it's because of the flood of emails. I don't quite know what to do at this point. So I'm well, doing my best to keep my head above water. It's it's time. I mean, you know, somebody opened the door and here it all came. So it's like, you know, you've been saved for this time, I'm, I'm sure. I must tell you that Tammy, um, one of our wonderful gals that works with us um, and partners with our Starseed Quest that we do in Arkansas, her house is full of owls in every imaginable place, from pen to pictures to kitchen I mean, I lost count the last time I was there. It's like 
owls have permeated her house. So when I told her that you were going to be on tonight, she was very excited. So I hope, Tammy, I hope you're listening. So good, let's good. start well, they've by... they permeated my house too, but uh, it's because I've written these books and now I get every, every once in a time, I get uh, a lot of, uh, I get a lot of owl mugs and, and a lot of owl uh, uh, refrigerator magnets. Yeah, yeah. So let's start by just letting you... Um, Bring us up to date on how this all started for you. Um, it says that you'll keep this brief, and that's okay. We just need to know what you know about how all this started for you. Well, I'm 56 years old now, and I um, had a bunch of owl experiences that kind of came crashing down on me in the autumn of uh, 2006, which is now 12 years ago. Um, almost to the date, probably right around this time of year. I think it was very early October or late September. Um, I had been, up until that point, I had been trying to deny certain things in my life. I had a lot of experiences that you or your listeners would probably recognize as the telltale signs of UFO contact. Um, I'm content with the term abduction. I don't think it's the best word, but it's the one we're stuck with. So I use it, and I use it grudgingly because I don't really like the word, but I recognized for for a long time that I would fit the little checklist for UFO abduction. I had close-up UFO sightings. I had a missing time event in association with a, a bright light in the sky. And I also had, um, in 1993, the winter of 93, January or February of 93, um, I woke up in the middle of the night and there was a bright light shining in my bedroom window and I looked out and there were five skinny gray alien beings. They were walking towards the house and they were backlit by this bright, bright light that was off in the yard behind them. Um, I should have been terrified. I should have gotten up and locked the doors and, you know, hid or something, but I didn't. I heard a voice in my head that said, oh yes, they're here. Now is the time to put your head on the pillow and shut down. And that's exactly what I did. And the next morning, I never even bothered to go outside to see if there was any um, footprints in the snow. Now, so this doesn't have anything to do with owls yet. So this is all in my life. These are the events in my life that I had been denying and pushing down. Like, I was not going to deal with that. You know, this is all, the, like, you know, I've got these stories, but I am not going there. Um, I knew there was going to come a day when I'd have to look into this stuff. And I was putting it off and putting it off. And I went camping with this woman that I had met just briefly. I didn't really know her. It was, she was kind of a stranger. And, um, and I'm going to include a few details in this part that, that I feel are important. And it really, for me, it makes the story deeper. We were, um, I was living at the time right near Grand Teton National Park. And I could, uh, it was a very quick drive to, um, to some of the trailheads there. And we went camping uh, for one night, it was a beautiful night, so there was no issue with rain. It was a beautiful afternoon, and we recognized it wouldn't rain that night, so we just went out without a tent, and we found a spot, hiked in about three hours with very light packs, and we slept out under the stars. But first, we were make, I made dinner, which I worked in an outdoor school, so I was very comfortable in the mountains and doing that kind of thing. So I was making dinner on a little camp stove, sitting in a rock, and my friend, her name is Kristen, she was... Um, Telling, talking to me as I'm cooking and she told me this stuff and I was like there came this moment when I was like oh my word I am really impressed I did not expect this she said some stuff that left me genuinely impressed in a way that I did not expect and then an owl flew over us 
and then a second owl, and then a third owl flew over us. And for the next, I would say, couple of hours, these owls flew around us. They landed on us. They hung out on tree branches right near us and watched us. And so we finished dinner, and then we went about to, as the sun was setting, we went about to um, put our sleeping bags down. So we laid our pads and our sleeping bags down on the ground. And then looking up into the night sky, the northern Rockies, clear night, amazing moonless night, trillions and trillions of stars, the owls would swoop down over our faces. And they're very quiet and silent. So for just a microsecond, the stars would be blotted out and we both recognized this. It's never happened to me before. I was, it was so cool. Um, the next day we were like, wow, that was pretty neat, huh? And she was like, yeah, let's, uh, hey, if I go camping again, I'll give you a call. She said, great. So four days later, I called her up and I said, let's go camping again. She said, great. So we went to a different spot of the mountains, come sunset. We watched the sunset and an owl lands in a branch near us. And then the second owl flies around us and a third owl lands at our feet. And, and before, four days earlier, the same very similar thing happened, but this time the owls were much closer, much closer to where we were standing. I mean, they were right at our feet. And it was, to have it happen once was pretty cool. To have it happen twice within four days with the same person was positively mystical. Now, what I knew at the moment, what I knew in the moment, and what I have been writing about recently but what I did not mention then was that I heard a voice in my head and this voice very clearly said, I was looking at owls. I was looking at real owls. And the voice in my head said, this has something to do with the UFOs. And, and I took that seriously. Now, sometime after that, I started looking into, so, that, you know, so I was, at this point, I had like been pushed off the cliff, right? I was like so... This was so mystical. It was so irrational. I've talked to owl biologists, and they're like, uh-uh, it doesn't happen. That is, that, you know, I don't know what you're telling me, but that does not happen. Now, I, um, I, I, I ended up looking into my own experiences, and it was, wasn't because of the, the memories of gray aliens in my yard. It was because of the owls that I started looking into my own experiences. Now, I started an online blog, and one of the first posts I put on the blog was the story I just told about camping with Kristen and seeing the owls. And I got back to her, and after it was posted, I called, I contacted her, I called her up, and I said, listen, i got to ask, what, was, what were you talking about the very first night when we saw the first owl? I remember you, we were sitting on a rock, eating dinner, or making dinner, and you were talking about something, and I was really impressed. What were you talking about? And she, without skimming a beat, she said, oh, I remember exactly what I was talking about. I was giving my most heartfelt definition on what God meant to me. Now, this took this, that detail alone, that was in 1990, or 2009. The event happened in 2006. So three years later, the, this already mystical experience takes on this transcendent kind of meaning for me with that detail that she was talking about God at the moment the owls appeared. Now, I'm not at all churchy, but I recognize the power in that, in that I'm not going to use the word coincidence, but in that you know, there's something powerful. She was talking about God. We saw owls. My life changed, and it has never been the same since. Wow. So <clears throat> do you go to the Tetons often? 
Oh yeah, I lived there. I was I'm I'm presently living in upstate New York, but I lived in the Tetons for 25 years. Oh yeah, I, I I'm very intimate with the Tetons. Oh hello. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> 25 years there? with I mean, the Tetons. You... That would make you someone to uh, pay attention to. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you about the oversized owls that you mentioned on your video. Yes. So this is something completely different. So now what people are reporting and um, are what is a very common story, and I get this all the time um, in one form or another. Usually it's very, it's, it's, there's variations, but the story goes something like this. I was driving home late one night. There was a great big owl in the road, about four feet tall. I pulled right up to the owl, and it was looking at me from over my hood. Now, let me tell you, I don't care. You get the biggest owl in the world and the smallest car in the world, and that owl is – there is no owl on planet Earth that can look over that hood. They're just simply not that big. But that is what people are reporting. And then they'll get home and they'll say, oh, funny, I was about two hours late. I should have been home at midnight. It was 2 in the morning. didn't make any sense. So what, what might happen is these people may go through a um, – go to a hypnotherapist and go through some sort of hypnotic regression and they, the details that the hypnotherapist, excuse me, the hypnotherapist might ask will describe this owl on the road and under, under the meditative state or the hypnotic state. The, the witness would say, well, it's this, the owl is bald and it's got big black eyes and it's got a skinny body and these long skinny fingers and it's got a tight-fitting spacesuit on and I don't think it's an owl. So what they're describing, what they, what they remember is seeing a large owl. What is quite possible is that they were instead in the presence of a, of a gray alien, most typically the gray alien. Um, and this is very common, and I've had people come to terms with this. And, uh, you know, I had one person, uh, this boy, who was a young man, and his mother reported an owl. And that was, I can't remember what the story was. I think she just went out in the driveway, and there was a great big giant tall owl in her driveway. And, and she told the story to her son. And the son was like, that owl can't be that tall. It's four foot tall. They're, just, they're not that big. Here, here, draw the owl. And she took a piece of paper and she drew an owl. And, and it was kind of like owl-like. And it was kind of, she said, mm, no, that's not right. And then without skipping a beat, she draws a gray alien. And she goes, <gasps> and she never mentioned it again. So these things emerge in these very strange ways. So that what has, there's two aspects to the owl mystery. One is the screen memory aspect, what abduction researchers call the screen memory, which would be these four-foot-tall owls that are, there's some sort of hypnotic um, projection going on on the part of an alien. If, I, if we follow this logic, there's some sort of projection into the mind of the observer. They're, they're in the presence of a gray alien, yet they see and perceive an owl. Now, that's one part of it. The other part of it is, I would say, my experience with, with Kristen in the mountains, where I saw what were obviously very real owls. Um, and this is what fascinates me more, is the real owls. I mean, you hear the screen memory story a hundred times, and you can wrap your mind around it, and, and it, it has a, you know, you can, I have a way to frame that. I still don't have a good way to frame the real owls showing up in the context of UFO experiences. So, yes, I've heard a lot of people talk about their screen dreams. Sometimes they see owls, sometimes they see deer, 
it, it and wolves. There's different ones that have expressed to me their abduction experiences, and they and sometimes have these screen dreams. So yes, I I understand that. I yeah, wanted some to, of, yes, and obviously yes, deer deer would be second first and first and second on the list is owls and deer, and then below that are all kinds of animals: squirrels, raccoons, foxes, wolves. Um, you know, firemen, uh, dead relatives. Jesus actually shows up. Uh, is on, not, it's not uncommon to have Jesus reported, and it turns out to be some sort of screen memory. Hmm. So let me ask you about um, the owls that show up in some kind of shamanistic setting. Have you had some experiences with shamans uh, and stories about owls with shamans? Yes, I have. In fact, that's that's so. There's a kind of a. I, I should be able to do this off the top of my head. So I did not um, uh, limit myself in the in the research to just owls and UFOs. There's other events. What I refer to as highly charged events, where owls seem to show up. They show up in the presence of UFOs or surrounding UFO contact. They show up around death. So people seeing owls at funerals and such. They show up during shamanic initiations. Uh, or shamanic journeys, let's say. But shamanic initiation, young shamans being initiated into his new role, owls appear. And it is weirdly consistent. Um, Owls show up during meditation. And then um, owls show up when people take psychedelics, specifically mushrooms. So uh, these are all, in one form or another, an altered state of consciousness. These are all transformative experiences. And... um, so, and the owl is sort of the totem of those five disparate things. So your question was about, do they show up in the context of shamans? And the answer would be yes. There's, a, there's an author, his name is David Weatherly. He's a researcher, author. He wrote a book called Black-Eyed Children. Um, he is also a shaman. And he's done a lot of straight research, you know, speaking to UFO witnesses as well as Bigfoot witnesses and such. But he um, tells an amazing story. He went to the house of a woman who was reporting UFO contact, and he was going to do a, you know, a, a boots on the ground investigation. So he had his, he pulled up into the house in his truck, and he's parked in the driveway, and he reaches down to get his uh, voice recorder. He's putting the batteries in. It's kind of he's looking down. It's in his lap. He's still in the driver's seat, and he feels this thud, and he feels like an audible kind of bounce on the car, and he looks up. And there's an owl that has landed on the roof of his, on the hood of his truck, staring at him through the windshield. A big, great horned owl. Now this is so. So this is a shaman at the site of a house with UFO activity, who sees an owl, and not just sees an owl off in the distance on the trees. It locks eyes with him from the roof of his car the minute he pulls in the driveway. Um, this, that's. These are the kind of stories that fascinate me, and I and I don't have a good answer, but there is a there is a mood or a vibe associated with these things that is palpable for me. One of the things that I've been experiencing lately is outside my bedroom window around seven o'clock in the morning, I start hearing the owls, an owl that's hooting. So when I get up and go out and look for it, I never see it. I can hear it, but it's not it's not visible to me. And this has been going on for years. How interesting. Have you talked to it? Yes, but it, it's like it just hoots. You know, I, 
I don't know what yeah, it's you'd ask, you'd ask. I mean, I've, that's, I mean I've, that's some, I've had some interesting stories where people have said that, and I said, well, go out and ask permission to, like, you know, talk to it. And people have had some very strange experiences. So, yes, so, um, and yes, there are real owls. They, they, I, we, I live in a place right now in the Adirondacks in upstate New York where there are lots and lots and lots of owls. I see them all the time. I hear them all the time. I pay attention when I do, but, I mean, it's not always connected to some paranormal event. Sometimes an owl is just an owl. But what you're describing, now here's I'll ask some questions of you. So uh, this is, these are the questions I ask. I kind of know what you're going to say. How would you rate your psychic abilities? Off the chart. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so how would you rate your artistic abilities? I'm pretty good with art, yeah. I have a lot of artistic okay. talent, yeah. Good, okay, good. Um, do you do Reiki? No. Oh, how we, okay, this is, so this is funny because this is something I just ask because it shows up all the time. Like the number of people who've had these experiences are, are now Reiki healers is like statistically bizarre. I mean, it feels like half the people I talk to that have these experiences are Reiki healers. And I'll tell you, certainly that does not match the general population. Um, and then the, the, the other question is a little more nuanced. So you, this started happening. What was going on in your life leading up to when this owl showed up? It, it started back in 2012 when we started doing Starseed Quest in Arkansas. And okay. I noticed that, it, that they really that it gets louder and they get to be more vocal about two weeks before I leave for Arkansas. How interesting. Okay. So how interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, so there – so. I'm not the person to ask in a way. Now, in a funny way, the person you should be asking is that you should go, you know, if this was, if this, these events were unfolding and instead of, you know, 2018, where we're talking on, you know, digital technology, if you were living in a little village in North Dakota 400 years ago and you had these experiences, you could just walk down the, to the edge of the village and knock on the teepee and then talk to the old shaman. And that shaman would be in a position to journey or to, to, to be a, the, the wise elder and help you navigate these waters and help you come up with an answer. Now, presently, we don't live in that world anymore. We, we are adrift in many ways in our society without the shaman. I guess there are certainly people out there playing shamanic roles, and there's certainly real shamans still around, but they, but they don't permeate our culture the way they, they, it would have in, a, in earlier times. So... I don't have an answer, but I, you know, the, the answer I would give, which is really corny, but I mean it, is to look within. And then the second answer would be just go out and ask. You know, you could meditate out there and ask, and who knows? It wouldn't hurt anything, so you might get an answer. The, the way I've treated it was like, okay, I'm getting codes now. I'll just have to take them, and, and they'll come out when they come out. And it's like, okay, it's almost like, like that to me. It's like some kind of digital thing that's happening inside my brain. I have heard this many times. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, it's like that. And, of course, I can't decipher that. I just know it's going in, and later it'll come out probably in English. <laughs> yeah. They can add, yeah. So that's, I mean, that, you could just, yeah. I, so, yes, I, I, so I have stories. There's a, uh, a woman named Suzanne Chancellor, and she and her husband, her partner, Jack, 
had been hearing a noise out their window. She's an experiencer. He's an experiencer. They had been hearing uh, this noise out their window on and off most nights a week for a year, a couple of years. And they were, they live in Rhode Island and, and Jack said it's baby raccoon. And then one day she heard an audio recording of a Eastern screech owl. They make a weird whinny noise. It sounds like a baby horse, like a little toy horse making a little whinny noise. And, and it was like, this is what she's been hearing. It's obviously what she's been hearing. It's an owl. And she got back to me right away and told me this story. And then she, then she heard it again. And she went out in the yard with her, with her, with her phone, and she was going to record it. She was going to record it for me. And I pay attention to this kind of stuff. This, now I'm involved in the story. She's recording it for me. And she walks up to the tree, and there's this owl making the sound of the tree. She never sees it. She walks up to the tree. She puts the voice recorder up, and then there's a bright orange flash in the tree. Like an orange orb appears, poof, and then fades out. And then the, the, the owl hooting stops. She never sees the owl. So here, there's the question. Was there ever an owl in the tree? What was she experiencing? Right? She went out there and saw an orange orb. I have that, that story in one form or another in many different, different ways. Now, here's I'll add to this. So uh, that story I was going to put in a presentation that I was going to show at a conference that used to be run in Maine called Experiencers Speak. And I was going to give a presentation. I wanted to include that story. Um, and I, and I wanted, when I told the story, to have the sound effect of a great, excuse me, of a, of a eastern screech owl in the background. So I went online, I found a great thing, and I couldn't download it. I could not figure out how to download it. It wasn't, I couldn't, there was no way to drag it. I just was like, I was so frustrated. I stayed up really late the night before driving trying to download this thing, and I couldn't do it that morning. I was going to be driving. We were getting up early. My partner, Andrea, were getting up early to drive to Maine from upstate New York, which is a long drive. And uh, sun is rising, the window's open, summertime, and out the window, we hear the sound of an eastern screech owl. I had never heard that sound ever in real life. The night before, I listened to it a hundred times. It was unmistakable. Andrea heard it, I heard it. She said, is that an owl? I said, it sure is. I was like, crap, now I've got to figure out how to load this thing on. The universe is telling me to put this in the presentation. So I put it in the presentation. I figured it out. I, just, I actually held one computer next to another computer. I got two computers and recorded the sound coming out of one computer and downloaded it onto another and then used it in my presentation. Um, this, this led to a string of synchronicities that is beyond all <laughs> rational. So there was a fellow at the conference who saw me give the presentation, heard that whinny of the owl and nearly fell out of his chair because he's been having experiences, contact experiences, his young baby son. He had been hearing that noise coming out of the baby monitor in the, in the child's room. Oh, no. Oh, God. Well, that's a scary thought. That's spooky. Oh, so, yeah, so he was unnerved. I was unnerved. I didn't, you know, so, and then my relationship with this guy, his name is also Mike. It goes, it is we'd need another two hour show for me to fill in all the synchronicities that emerged from him hearing that recording that I was inspired to do by an owl out my window. So these, but to unpack some of these, these stories is like a three hour process because the, just the synchronicities just build one on top of each other. So. So one of the things that I'm I'm remembering now is in March when we go to Arkansas to the Starseed Crystal Quest. In March we always celebrate Athena 
her birthday and Athena and the 96 goddesses, and that's when I pull out my material that I've been given. In fact, the, the material was given to me by a bird, but that's another story. But um, I noticed that in March is when the owl seems to really pick up its 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 tones outside my window. Just before I get ready to go in March is when I really get a, a strong dose of owl. Okay, and Athena is the is the um, Greek goddess of wisdom, and she had a companion little owl, yeah. Right, I know. <laughs> yeah, it all fits, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, so this is, this is, so you are confronted with an ancient archetype, right? So the, the, the owl, I'm certain that there was mythology long before the Greeks, you know, built the Temple of Athena. Um, and th- so my, what I have been arguing in this, in the last two books is that there is a very human experience and that owls have been part of the, of the human experience, the story you're telling, the stories I've been telling, the stories I am incapable of keeping up with that flood my email inbox. These stories, people are like, I don't know what to make of this. And it's like, we don't have a framework present day to, to, for this, but I'm convinced that you know, we would walk out of the cave and have owl experiences. And that was the that was the foundation. Those were the seeds of the of the mythologies that are still around. They're just in dusty books. But the 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 owl experiences continue. And um, and so I let me ask you after your presentation at the Ozark um, place that you went to, did did that really uh, jumpstart a whole bunch of people writing you about their owl experiences? Well, you know what it was is they they did it. There's a fellow there who did a wonderful job videotaping the, the talk, and I and I gave a, what I consider a very strong talk. It was about an hour and a half long, and that went onto YouTube. So it's it was the YouTube video from that conference. There was only a few hundred people in the room. Presently, there's many many thousands. I think it's like seventy thousand people have downloaded that video, and um, obviously not all of them are getting a hold of me. But but that's what I'm hearing a lot. So, that, so you can write another video. book about their experiences, right? You know, I'm really cautious to do that because if I wrote another book, it would just be more of the same, you know? Like, I feel like I made my point. I mean, if you take these two books and stack them one on top of each other, it's like dang near 700 pages of me connecting owls and UFOs. And if I put another 300-page book on there, which I certainly have enough material for, it would be – I would just be repeating – what I already, I mean, there'd be new stories. Yes. And some of the stories okay. are fascinating, but I, I would just be cautious. So I am, I am thinking about, actually, you know what I'm thinking about doing is writing a book on um, owls and shamanism. Yes. Oh, that, I think that would be terrific. Yeah. Much and needed. That, that, much needed. Well, a, so, so you, and and that, when you write again and you want to, you want to tell my story okay. about what happens to me with owls outside my window that I can never see. <laughs> Go ahead and write it. It's fine with me. Okay, I'll contact you. Yes, I'll, I'll contact you. Now, would you consider yourself a shaman? Uh, not an earth shaman. A galactic shaman, maybe. Okay. I, I function from a whole different um, set of codes. That See, there's earth shamanism, and then there's galactic shamanism. And the galactic shamanism has to do with predestination programs that run on the planet. And so that's kind of how I... Um, I work with galactic shamanism in the ways of knowing how many 
um, light workers walk in, star seed are coming to the planet, and how they're going to find each other now on the planet. That's kind of what uh, my work is all about, is helping people find one another. Because before we were ever born and came to the planet, there was one word that stuck out for all of us to get a hold of, and the word was star seed. And so a lot of people, when I ask them, I say, well, how did you find me? And a lot of them say, oh, I had a dream about the word starseed, and I got up and Googled and found you. Now, the first two or three times I heard that, I thought, oh, how quaint and how cute. After number 40, I went, okay. I went upstairs and I said, what in the world's going on with this word starseed? What are you doing? I said, oh, don't you remember? This is the word that all of you agreed upon to find one another on the planet because technology would be such you could find anybody anywhere with that one word. That's what I was told. How interesting. And I, that's what I've said about this book. I mean, in this book, the process of this book was dependent on this modern age. I would not have been able to write these two books. That's right. I could have written without the advent of... Well, there's no the telling what all has happened to you in 25 years at the Tetons. Well, yeah, and I used to go, I camped a lot all alone out there, all well, the time. <laughs> you know, I spent a great deal of, of my time and energy monitoring the things that have happened in the Tetons. You know, there's meetings that happen inside the Tetons, um, January 1 through 7 and July 1 through 7. So sometime you and I need to talk about where you were during those times because that's when you're taken inside the mountain and have experiences with higher beings. Potentially, yeah. I would love to talk about that, yeah. I have no direct knowledge of any of that, but I certainly have a good working knowledge. Well, if you lived out in the Tetons and you camped out a lot, I'm sure – that either under regression or whenever you're allowed to know what's happened with you through those years, they prepared you to be who you are now. Don't you feel that? I feel that that my life has changed in a way that what it feels like is the grand chess master like let me live my life to a certain point all like okay just going to like do 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 now like the chess player just moved the pieces around and moved me around on the chessboard, and and my life is completely different and I've been it's been a full time job doing this owl stuff. Yeah, did did this start happening after 2012? Yes. Yeah. Well, see? no, that's that's not true. That's not true. It started happening, um, in I mean, I was reading UFO books and stuff like that from the from the mid 90s. Yeah, okay. And then in the uh and I and I loved like the TV show like In Search of with Leonard Nimoy as a boy. Um and I had these experiences as a boy, you know, the the missing time and the close up UFO sighting. Um so I was like I was open and receptive to this stuff. Um I yeah. did not think it involved me. Now I um uh, uh so the event with Kristen in the Mountains was two thousand and six. 2013. But when did you uh, publish your books? 2015. It had to be after 2012 for you to really settle into your mission at this level. Now here's yeah. So here's what I'll say. So on uh, in the last half hour of the talk that I gave, as well as the last 40 or so pages of the big fat book, um, the messengers deals with what I call my confirmation event. And that was me, uh, like, 
like up until then, like I would not call myself an abductee. I would dance around that question and I would go right up to the line and I would go, uh, uh-uh, I'm not going there. And, and I was, I was actually stressed out and mixed up and, and, and lost in this sense of unease, like this almost like trauma of, of not being able to settle down on what was going to on. I mean, I, I was having so many synchronicities. It was, it was outrageous. Well, now, it's also part of post-traumatic stress that happens with us when these things happen. And, and I, we don't have I anything agree. to gauge it by because we don't have many friends we can talk to about it. So I understand what you're saying. In, in March 10th of 2013, I had an event camping out in the desert of southern Utah. And I saw what I, I woke up in my sleeping bag and I looked up on the hill and I said, that looks just like a landed flying saucer. And I sat and looked at it and looked at it. And, and that night was filled with such weird stuff. There were coyotes howling right near my head. There were lights on the ground near me. Um, the thing on the top of the hill looked like nothing more than a big round house. There is no round house there. I've been back to that site a couple times since. Now, uh, afterwards, this stuff, that just led on. There was a, three separate events that all play out like UFO contact lined up exactly on a map. And this was in association with all kinds of psychic visions of my own. What happened was I, I can, I mean, it's, I'm telling the story very quickly, but I, I no longer doubted my experiences. That doubting ended. And there was a relief from that, that feeling of I know went from I don't know to I do know. So I don't know the source of it. I don't know the reasons for it. But I do know that, it's, that it really happened and that I cannot deny it. And that took place on March 10th, 2013. So that's three months after the end of 2012. So let me, let me just say this. Once you know, you can't unknow, okay? Once you Absolutely. get it, <laughs> it's like you can't ever go back like you were before because you've stepped into another um, – Arena of knowing. Yeah. The, the toothpaste is not going back in the tube, yes. Not ever. <laughs> not ever. Listen, I see what time it is, and I'd like to pass you over to my co-host, Ariel. She has the switchboard, and there may be people that want to call in and maybe comment or ask you a question. So would you be willing to do that for a few minutes? Sure, absolutely. Okay. So it's been my pleasure talking with you, and I'd like to talk to you uh, later. Uh, you know, send me Absolutely, your schedule yeah. or when you're, you're available to talk because there's several things I'd like to, to share with you that um, that I think you might be interested in, okay? Yes, please. So we'll st- stay in touch with us. And anytime that you have anything that you want to share with us, a new book coming out or maybe a retreat or anything that you're doing, even if it's for five or ten minutes, please come on our show and, and let, let our star seeds know what you're up to because maybe they'll be in your area because – like I said, this radio show goes all over the world, all over the Here, world. I will, I will uh, uh, do a little push for an event. There's an event that's taking place in Montreal in, uh, in Canada, and it is a symposium run by an organization called GARPAN, G-A-R-P-A-N. It's actually an acronym that's in French, so I don't really know what the, the acronym is, but, but they're doing a scientific symposium, and why they asked me, I have no idea. I'm the least scientific person around, but I think they like the way I present this material. Um, and it's a personal experience for me. They will be doing an event coming up in two weeks from now, I think. So that will be the 27th and 28th, the weekend, Friday, Saturday, I think that is, um, in uh, October of this month. 
do they can people get online and participate they too? You can get on you can get online and just type in Garpan UFO and it should come right up. Okay, and you can go to my great. website. There's a there's a thing right on the top of my website also. Okay. Well it's been my pleasure talking to you and and knowing that another person has our experiences like some of us have had through the years. So thank you so much for writing your books. I haven't seen your books, but I plan on getting them. So um, back to you, Ariel. Okay. Wow. Oh, that was this, this, yeah, this is, this is just fascinating. And um, we're going to talk about owls some more, but before we get into that, I just want to let people know that if you are already um, called into the show, if you're already on the switchboard and you have a question or a comment or an owl story uh, for Mike, then just press 1 on your keypad so that we know you want to um, come on and make a comment. If you're listening on the computer, then just pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292, and then once you're in, press 1. And uh, we'll get you um, with Mike for your question. So uh, we'll wait to see. Um, it'll take a, a few minutes for that process to to happen. But um, I want to hear more stories about about oh my owls gosh. Yeah, I guess, and, yeah. and and synchronicities uh, because I mean it's just I'm sure that <laughs> everyone people listening in the audience are like me too, me too. Uh, so, yeah, this is the problem. I've got so many, it's a little bit tough to come up with one. Here, I'll just do a, a quick one here that, that I, I can't finish because the story is so long, but this is how the story begins. This is part of the second book. Um, uh, the fellow who I talked about earlier who heard the sound of the uh, eastern screech owl coming through his child's baby monitor, his name is Mike. Um, he was driving, this, is, this was, he contacted me right after this, remember exactly when it was it was a while later but it was after hearing me talk actually is when it was so he contacted me and said listen i got to tell tell you the story i never put two and two together i was driving home from work and i crossed a bridge and just as i crossed this bridge he was on an island now which is called bondi's island which is outside of springfield massachusetts i crossed a bridge and an owl flew right in front of my windshield he said it scared the crap out of me it was so close full daylight, big owl. It scared him. So he's driving along and he gets about a half mile, so just a minute or so down the road, down the highway, rush hour traffic. He looks over to his left and above this kind of ugly industrial park is hovering a giant football field sized copper colored flying saucer. And he like was in traffic, can't believe what he's seeing. He's in, kind of stuck in traffic. He's dragged along with the cars. And it just floats off, and it's a cloudy day, and it just moves up into the clouds, and he loses sight of it. And then he says, oh, by the way, as I was um, – this all happened. I was listening to you on my car MP3 player. I was listening to a talk that I downloaded that you were giving on owls and UFOs. And I was like, what? Like, what? Like, you were, you were listening – to me talking about owls and UFOs and you saw an owl and you saw a UFO? He's like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like uh, so that one was kind of a, you know, I have a, that was like a, that one really unsettled me. And the number of synchronicities that went back and forth and then in just on a, on a, almost a superficial level, like it felt like every email or correspondence we had was like time stamped. One, 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 
one two three or three 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 and and it was just it it was beyond coincidence how many odd things were flooding into our correspondence wow wow you know lavender always says that synchronicity is confirmation that you're you're in, you're in the right direction you're on the right flow you're you're you know you're doing what you um planned oh, I, on oh, doing yeah. yeah i mean yeah. it's I mean, on the, the simplest way to put, say that is pay attention. Synchronicity is the universe yelling, pay attention. So, yeah. Um, so here, I, you want, I'll, I got another little story. I can tell a quick one here again. If you, I mean, I'll not. I will okay. Not run well, we story. actually we actually have a person who's now waiting. Oh, great. great. Um, to to speak with you, and then and then you can tell the story um, afterwards. So you're going to be speaking to Andrea. Uh, let me get your mic open, sweetie. It's spinning. Okay. Andrea, you are Hi. on the air with Mike. Okay, go ahead with your question or story. Hi, Mike. Thanks for uh, all your Al info that you put out there. It certainly made me feel so much better because I've had almost, I've had, I could be one of those stories that just fits in with the uh, well, Al yeah, experiences. You are and, not alone. There's a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. you, thank you for putting your stuff out there because that's what I realized and what I needed to know during that because it gets a little freaky when you first start. I guess just opening up to these sort of things and you don't know what it is. So um I called in though because as I'm listening to the story or listening to the show, I, I'm at a family farm right now. I've been here for a couple months taking care of my dad. And um I get you know, I'm out in the pasture, we got about eighty acres left. And I hear this sound that I can't explain. <laughs> it's exactly the one that you guys were talking about, that kind of small, like, you know, kind of, you wouldn't associate it with the owl. It's like the eastern screech owl sound, you said? You can look and it up I mean, online. It's very easy to find, yeah. I already know that it's what it is because I also experienced the orange orbs here. And, I mean, I I know what they are. I was telling Fiona as much as anybody knows what they are. But, you know, so I'm used to seeing But they've been in synchronicity with the sound. I just didn't associate the two. And I also didn't know what it was, but it makes perfect sense. So I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I just, you know. You guys just figured that out for me. So Well they have the, <laughs> Thank they have the you. Eastern Screech Owl. You could you could check that quick enough online just by Googling their the call of the Screech Eastern Screech Owl. And it does sound like the whinny of a tiny horse, like yeah. a horse that would be no bigger than a puppy or something like that. It's just this high pitched yeah. kind of whinny and a kind of a descending, trilling sound. And this is and I had heard it before. I had a, a Western Screech Owl sit above me in a tree while I was camping out. Um, and they have a little different noise. It sounds more like a ping pong ball, like when you drop a ping pong ball on a table and it goes, did you, did you, did you, did you, did you, No, wow. Um, so, Interesting. Yeah. I've so never heard that one. Kind of, but... I mean, do you have a, I mean, here, I'm going to ask the questions I ask. Everyone. So <laughs> how would you rate your psychic abilities? Oh, on a one to 10 or they're pretty yeah, high, although rough. I'm not like, you know, I'm not, I don't, I mean, I'm, when I know something, I know it, and I don't know how I know it. But this is just since I've started seeing the owls, too. In 2012, I believe, is when it all pretty much, maybe 2009, but then it is when it, yeah. So the first owl experience and everything that I had would have been 2011, where, I mean, I also had a lot of other weird experiences, but this is when I feel like I started opening up and uh, to any, I mean, 
opening up my consciousness, whatever we call it. I've learned I'm a star seed for sure, without a doubt. And, um, you know, so that all started then. And I mean, one of the first experiences of my weird things that I remember is I had, uh, my yard was flooded with owls. I don't know where they were, but I could, it wasn't like one came. I don't know how many it sounded like were out there, more than I could count. And then, I mean, it's just been on since there, you know, and that's also where I saw my first UFOs. My first time I'd ever seen anything in the sky was also at that same, at my home at that time and in association with this. And, and the owls have stuck around and they've, they've been one of the most consistent parts of my experience since that year. I've just never quite known, you know, I never associated or resonated with them being, you know, like the gray, the grays or anything like that for me. But I definitely know that whenever my life, whenever things are definitely a little, you know, when I'm seeing a lot of stuff in the sky or having strange experiences, my, the owls are there. And I'll try talking to them or asking again, kind of what that means. But I never think it's bad. I just don't know if they're warning me or if they're just letting me know they're there. Or, you know. I agree. I and so yes, you were you were and I are on a similar page. And what happened to me around 2006, between 2006 and 2011, I was seeing so many owls at such highly charged moments. And it and yeah, I've spent yeah. I've said this. I I I felt like I spent those years. What is that like? Four or five years. Like I I this is how I say it, and this is true. I spent 95% of my waking hours wondering if I had gone insane because the, <laughs> the, the mystical experiences did not match what was, was supposed to be normal reality. <laughs> yes, me too. Yeah. Oh, well, so, yeah. yes. Yeah, so feel free to get a hold of me and get a hold of me through my website. And, um, okay. and it's, oh, I, don't, I do not want to play promoter here, but I, can, I think you would find the book, the first book, very interesting. Okay, good. Well, then I'll get it. And I, I would get in touch with you. My name's Andrea. And thank you. Again, thank you for all the work and putting this out there because I know you've comforted me. I've listened to your, the YouTube that's up I don't know how many times. So thank you. Well, you're very welcome. Oh, cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's, uh, thank you so much. And that's, this means a lot to me in the sense that, like, I feel like, um, you know, how to say this, you know, you sit in the room alone, right? You're in front of the computer and you're banging your head against the table trying to figure out like oh do I put a comma here do I put a comma there is this like is this how do I edit this paragraph and it's a headache and it goes on and on and on for years and and to hear that story I feel like there's a value to the to the work I've been doing and it just it's heart it heartens me so I just um, that was wonderful to hear that well that's great that's great well Andrea thank you so much for calling in and um we're just really, really happy that Mike uh, gave you some, some uh, greater understanding and clarity on this. Thank you, definitely. I mean, you, your guys' site as well has, inform, has has brought me to speed on so many things too. So you all are great, also. So thank you. You're so welcome. Well, thanks for calling, Andrea. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks so much. Yeah. Wow. Wow, yeah, yeah and it's, that was, it's that's the what owls. I'm finding is that, oh, go on. I say it's the owls and the UFOs because you could. I mean, it's the, the the synchronicity of them showing up together. That's that's oh the, yeah. That's the the mystery. Yeah, I I have a I have a story in the in the 
in the book of a woman. She's this is a woman from Brazil, and she's in um, uh, a big urban area, and she's in an apartment building, and uh, she's on her back balcony, and this she looks out, and there's a flying saucer, a UFO hovering above the city, it's cruising along. It's close, and it kind of there's like a building across from her, and it. Uh, with these kind of towers at the top of the building. She sent me photographs of it. And, she, you know, so you can imagine she's watching this thing traveling across the passes behind the building at a certain speed, and it should have popped out the other side, right? She's, but it doesn't. And she kind of says aloud, like, okay, guys, you know, where'd you go? And then right at that moment, two owls landed on her balcony. And they lived on her balcony for the next few months. Oh, my gosh. And she kind of befriended these owls. So here, this is like, it doesn't get, like, she sees an UFO. She asks, hey, you guys, where'd you go? Whoop, two owls take up residence on her balcony. This is, and this is a very spiritual woman. This is, she's, and, and, uh, yeah, how do you, how do you back engineer that? You know, who, who stage managed that? Real owls living there. So, yeah. Um, and, and, uh. Yes, so this is these are the kind of stories I've been getting, and they are they're baffling on so many levels. That's a good word for it. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 with I've, the, given with up, three... I've given up trying to to like understand the 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 causality, and I've given up trying to understand the pragmatic meaning or the pragmatic mechanism that creates all this stuff. I don't think I can. I, I mean, I, it's, I'm not, I've given up and I don't care anymore. What I do care about is the mood of these stories. I think that there's a palpable kind of mood to these things. And I think it's, it does a, oh, I mean, I'm going to say, I, I, so that's what I'm making, trying to make sense of. Like there's an archetypal hidden meaning that under, underlying these stories. And that's what I'm trying to grab. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's there somewhere, um, but it seems to me, and I've been saying this for quite some time, especially you know knowing the association between owls and Athena, and you know star seeds and goddess energy, and that's that's a big part of of our world. Um, but yeah, the the. Um, I've been saying, it's like, look at this now. I mean, mainstream, you can go into Walmart and find owls on, you know, uh, on kitchen towels, on well, you know, yeah, planters, yeah, so on this. It's, it's mainstream I agree, I agree. marketing. It's, there's, there's like owl products everywhere. Owls are hot right now. Yes, but so are cats and dogs and horses and stuff like that. So, I, so I'm cautious because you go crazy. Oh, my God. I, you can go walk down the main street of any town, and you can walk two blocks and count ten owl things. So like look in a window. Oh, there's an owl on a calendar. Oh, there's a little sticker. Oh, someone's got a bumper sticker. This little kid walks by with a lunchbox with an owl on it. I mean, they're out there. It'll make you crazy. Yeah. And I've yeah. been there. So, I, so just be very cautious because there's, there's – and I mean, they're cute and they're fun to draw and they're, and people, there's people who study them without any paranormal issues at all connected to them. But, but that the, um, but yes, they are hot right now. There's plenty of owls. And let me tell you, it makes me crazy walking around down the main street with folks because they're, because they're showing off to me, you know, they're like, Oh, look, there's another owl. I'm like, it's because of you. And I'm like, no, no, that owl's been on that, you know, that calendar <laughs> in that window for, it's not me, you know. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, I mean, there is the uh, <clears throat> the 3D commercial marketing, but looking at it from a from a different perspective, because there is something very spiritual about an owl. You know, the wisdom, the um, uh, the association with Athena, and um, you know the the Pleiadians, all of that. It's almost like it's gotten down, and and the color green, you know, emerald green. That's Athena's color. So you I mean, and that's that's like a real hot color for decorating. And I think that it it just it gets implanted in the minds of the people that are creating these products, and it's it's a it's a trigger. Um, um, and I just think it's beyond coincidence that as the world is waking up, star seeds are waking up. Um, you know, the the goddess energy is returning to the planet, and and Walmart's full of owls. So I mean, there's got to be some kind of a an ultimate big, you know, higher level plan that gets it down into the into the grassroots where anybody walking through Walmart can get activated if they see enough owls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So here, yeah. so the, the ancient mythology of the owl, the lore of the owl, is that the owls can fly in the night. They can fly in the darkness. Right, complete total darkness. The owl is absolutely comfortable flying around at night with its night vision. Those, the reason owls have great big eyes is so they can see in the darkness. And it's fascinating to me now, and it must have been astonishing to ancient man who would have seen that. Now, the, the nighttime must have had a very different meaning before the advent of the electric light bulb. Right. So night would have been scary. Night. So owls flew into the night that very quickly turned into a metaphor for flying into the land of the dead, to the land of the ancestors, to the land of the gods. And then the next step is they have to return. So the owls became the messenger symbolically, metaphorically throughout, throughout the world's mythologies. They were the messengers between the worlds. Now, other animals have that too, ravens in particular, but the raven is an animal of the day, an owl is the animal of the night, a bird of the night. They became a messenger. Now, the most popular books in the history of publication is Harry Potter. Now, Harry Potter, the little boy, has a pet owl, and the owl delivers the mail. So here we have, it is imbued into our modern mythology the owl delivers the mail. It is a messenger. It's perfect. It's perfect. J.K. Rowling, if you write it out, in her name. And I don't want to read too much into that, but that's more of how my mind works rather than how, uh, you know, don't start a new religion on that one. But that to me is, I just love those playful little winks from the universe that show up in this research. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, and I think it's just wonderful that that owls are getting more and more attention because they do have they reach some ancient place in us. You know, some ancient memory, ancient lore, ancient shamanism, whatever is in our engrams and DNA. Um, the owls in there someplace. So when we we see them, we interact with them, um, or even you know buy a, a toy. Um, it still represents something. 
Yes. So now this is and I, so the argument. If you talk to a UFO researcher, an abduction researcher, and I have, and I say, Hey, do you got any stories about owls in your files? They look at me like, What are you kidding? There are other. I hear owls all the time. I always hear about owls. And then they'll tell the screen memory aspect, the giant owl in the yard, the giant owl that shows up at the foot of the bed, you know, those kind of stories. Um, the giant owl on a lonely road. And, and you ask them, so why does it, you know, why owls? And they'll say, well, obviously, because the owl sort of looks like the gray alien, right? I mean, they kind of got the big eyes. And, I'm, and that might be true, but anytime someone says something enough and it seems to turn into dogma. I'm, I'm like one of the, I'm like the nerdy kid that was a pest to the elementary school teacher. I want to know, I don't buy it. I'm wondering if that's, it might very well be exactly the reason. Owls look like gray aliens. People are associating the big penetrating black eyes. What I'm saying, is, uh, you said it so clearly just a moment ago, we are imbued with this owl knowledge. That is the definition of the archetype, something that inherently we all know and understand at a deep intuitive level and have since the beginning of time. I am arguing that the UFO occupants are choosing the mask of the owl. They are choosing the screen memory of the owl specifically because we as humans have that inner knowledge. When we see an owl, whether it's a screen memory or a real owl, we are seeing something symbolic. We are seeing a symbol for something much, much deeper. And I would argue that the owl is the totem of the transformational experience. Um, and I, so I'll go right back to my initial story. I saw real owls in the mountains with Kristen. I heard a voice in my head that said, this has something to do with the UFOs. My life changed. I received a message. I saw owls. I heard a voice in my head. My life changed. I received a message. The owl are, is messengers. They are alarm clocks. They were screaming at me to wake up. I had been denying my UFO experiences. Seeing the owls changed all that. So, yes, I, I feel like I'm kind of on a little tirade here right now. But, um, uh, <laughs> yes, what you said, owls are imbued in our DNA. I agree completely. Yeah, and they're such a, a a singular, you know, kind of bird, uh, uh, you know, being a, a a predator and, you know, being able to turn their heads, you know, and see in all directions, and, you know, there's they're just very unique. Um, they feathered. absolutely. I, so what I do here's what I get. I get stories all the time. Like, oh, my God, I was driving down the road, and I saw an owl on the side of the road. It was so magnificent. It was so amazing. I feel so blessed to see that owl. Now, that's probably just a real owl. But there is very few animals that can bring that kind of power to their sighting, right? You know, maybe a, yeah. a lion or something like that, or maybe a, you know. But there's, I mean, let me tell you, that they, they do. They, you see a bunny rabbit, you don't write a letter to the guy that, you know, to, yeah, right. <laughs> and say how fantastic it was to see the bunny rabbit. Uh, right. The owls have a power and a mystique that I am certain that ancient man saw and, and understood at a gut level. Yeah. yeah, well, I have to agree with you. Um, and and certainly the, um, you know, the, the, the screen dreams, you know, the shape-shifting and, and, and all that, Owls, I mean, I mean, yeah, they're predators and they're hunters, but 
I don't think I mean they're not um they're not threatened by by humans and and there's not a lot of like you know if you saw an alligator you'd you'd run the other way but you know if you see an owl there's there's no like oh he's going to get me um it's just kind of a a wonderment yeah and you don't i mean Very much so. especially since they're nocturnal to see an owl in the daytime is that considered unusual it's unusual yes but it's not un- it's not that uncommon um, the, what it is, the larger the owl, the more likely you are to see them during the day because large owls can hunt during the day. Smaller owls will usually only hunt at night. And so it's the really big ones, the, which we have in North America, the great horned owl, the great gray owl, and the um, uh, barred owl. <clears throat> those would be, you know, so that you can catch, you can see those in the day. Not uncommon, but they are certainly much more active at night. And if they're up during the day, they have no... They can see fine. Some people, you know, like, um, and they're hunting mice, and that might be the reason they're seeing them. They're simply just hungry, and especially owls that are um, trying to feed uh, their owlets, um, their baby owls. Right. Yeah. They got to have a they're, longer. There, it takes a lot, and they got to. You get five hungry mouths to feed in a nest. Um, they, that's a lot of work to catch that many mice. Yeah, it is. You know, think about that. <laughs> Wow, this is just—it is just so fascinating. And um, I know I always pay attention. We've got an owl in our neighborhood, um, and I think it's only one because I never hear more than you know. Never hear them talking back and forth. Um, but I always pay attention because I don't hear him all that often. So when I do, I was like, "Okay, what are you about to do? What is about to happen? Is there, you know?" I, I always take stock, you know. Yes, when I hear an owl, because like, you pay attention. Yes, as you should with any synchronicity. And I'm and I, you know, so here's something that I get in my reports a lot. You know what people say right before they see a UFO? Oftentimes, they say, "I want to see a UFO," and then boom, they see one. So there, you pay attention. You, you know, like what were you thinking right before you saw the UFO? You're like, "I was thinking I want to see a UFO." That's common, and that tells me something very strange. That tells me it's something a little more archaic than just a metal spaceship coming from another planet um now uh but the the owl thing as i said earlier is not limited to just the ufo thing it's connected to shamanism and death got a lot of accounts of, of people seeing owls right after a loved one usually a parent right after a loved one passes wow well, this is just fascinating, and I know we could we could probably <laughs> fill up another couple of hours with just your stories, and and they're just wonderful to hear. Um, and if if someone were to go on to find that that video that you're talking about, is it on YouTube? It's on YouTube. Yep, there's a couple of videos that I I would recommend. One is um, they're both pretty long, actually. One's an hour and a half. One's an hour and forty five minutes. One is um, from Arkansas, and I think it's would be titled the um, Ozark Mountain UFO Conference. And um, my name, Mike Cleland, you could just Google that. I would come right up. Or you could search um, another one, which is from Exopolitics UK. And that's an hour and 45 minutes long. They're, but the similar talks, they don't overlap that much. Um, but in uh, that one is, you could just type in Exopolitics, Exopolitics UK, or that's linked at the very top of my website also. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. And your, I mean, your main website is Mike 
mcclelland.com, correct? Well, that's that's sort of an umbrella website, and that that'll take you to the um, to the Hidden Experience website. That's my main owl research website. It's called hiddenexperience.blogspot.com, um, and I've been using that to promote the books a little bit. I have a, you know, by the time you do this for a few years, you've got a website that promotes a book. You've got a website that is, you know, that I bought the domain from mikeclellan.com, and that's that's and that, I've actually been getting a lot of email from that site, so it's been working great. And that's what I want. I want to hear these stories. Okay. Well, everybody, over the course of this week, um, literally thousands and thousands of people are going to hear this. So brace yourself. <laughs> so um, your two websites, Mike Cleland, and that's Cleland is spelled C-L-E-L-L-A-N-D.com. And the other one is Hidden Experiences. No, Experiences, not plural. Hidden Experience dot blogspot dot com and if so here, you have if you our wanna, stories you, go ahead oh here i'll just say listen i'm gonna so if you want to you know fast track this you can just type in owl ufo and my name will be the very first thing that comes up okay so there's many many ways to find you and your work yeah and we, we certainly encourage the star seeds um to look into this because this is this has got starseed written all over it, owls, synchronicities, and UFOs. So um, your first book is called The Messengers, and um, Owls, Synchronicity, and the UFO Abductee. And then the follow-up book is Stories from the Messengers, which is that companion book, and it goes deeper into that connection between UFOs and owls. So everybody pick up a copy. I'm assuming that it's on the website, it's on Amazon, or many places where it can you, people can purchase your book. Yes, very easy to find. Yeah, Amazon would be the easiest, yeah. And there's an audio okay. book out now for the second book, which I read myself, which was the hardest thing I think I've ever done, was having to read an audio book. But um, yes, that was, and it turned out wonderfully. I'm very proud of it. So the second book, Stories from the Messengers, is also available on iTunes, and on uh, Audible, as well as on Amazon, as an audiobook. Cool. Okay. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for spending your time and for the work that you've done, the research, and um, the books you've produced. Thank you so much for the work that you do on the planet and for spending your evening with our audience. We sure appreciate it. Thank you so much. This has been a delight. And remember, if if you have something you want to announce, uh, if you just just send Lavendar an email, and uh, you, know, you can come back on and do anything you know anything we can do to help you, we will. Sure, sure. Great. Okay. And you want another story? I don't know if do you have to shut off right now or. Uh, well, we're kind of wrapping it up at this point. Oh, great! Perfect. Um, Perfect. But yeah, well, they um, they have to read the book. They have to get the book and read the stories. <laughs> oh. so well, thank you very very much for uh, being with us this evening, Mike. And we look forward to catching up with you again in the future, finding out what's new and new stories. Yeah, thank you so, so much. It's been a delight. I, I look forward to talking again. Okay, thank you. And that is it for us here on behalf of everyone here at Starseed Radio Academy. We thank you for listening. Make sure you check out Mike's website and check out that book. And we will be back next week. Until then, make sure you find gratitude and compassion in every day. Good night, everyone. 
have been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 